A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Jane Maguire. This week we're speaking with ultra running legend, Jim Wormsley. Uh, Jane, how's it going? Yeah, all good. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. I um, went for a little 12 mile run yesterday and found myself on the uh, the River Wandle in South London, which is it's not a particularly glamorous site, but it was very flat. So that, that, had, it, that had its advantages. Um, yeah, how about you? Did you get out for a run on the weekend or not? I did. I've had, um, it was my birthday at the weekend, so I've had a very um, hungover, slow 10 mile, one of those like, you think it might help you, but actually it hurts you more <laughs> kind of runs yesterday, but still got it done. It was really rainy, wasn't it? So it was kind of like, I think I was glad actually. That's something about running in the rain, isn't it? You feel like it cleanses. No, com- completely agree. Um, I think that running in in light drizzle, it it, it does cleanse you in more, and it, in some ways it feels like a little bit heroic. Do you know what I mean? You're kind yeah. of running through this kind of like slightly, uh, uh, yeah, hard weather. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's I think that's true. And also, I mean, it's been lovely the weather, isn't it? But I've been kind of slightly overheating on some of these runs and, and yesterday wasn't like that at all. So there's been a few more of these FKTs being sent um, set as well to John Kelly, who we talked about on last week's podcast. But he, um, yeah, he did it, right? So I think he broke the, the 31-year Pennine Way record by something like 40 minutes, which kind of sounds like a lot until you realise that, you know, he's been running for two days. It's really nothing. I bet it was sort of went right down to the wire. It was kind of, um, yeah, amazing, amazing achievement. I hope he listened to the podcast while he did it, <laughs> yeah. and I hope he's listening now. Congrats, John! Well done, John. I, I, hopefully, he's woken up. Yeah, just yeah, because I think it, I, I presume I think he probably only slept about well less than an hour in in two days. I think you, you wouldn't be able to do it unless you were you know basically on your feet for twenty three and a half hours out of twenty four. Just amazing. It's been a real kind of glut, hasn't there? Of um. Yeah, people doing exciting. these things. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think yeah, like we sort of mentioned last week, like in the absence of official races, these kind of yeah, like DIY fastest known time attempts come into their own a bit because you actually, well, I guess you you need a crew if you're going to take it seriously, but you don't need much of the kind of apparatus of of a race, right? Um, also, I think another friend of the, of the mag, Damien Hall, is having a go at. So this is this is kind of bizarre, right? So I think this Pennine Way record. Stood for 31 years. I don't know how many people tried to take it on it, but now in the space of a week, it could go again because I think Damien Hall on Wednesday is beginning his 
attempt to do the Pennine Way, he's going to run it the opposite way, so north to south. He is. <laughs> and an exclude, I guess people listening to this will be the first ones to hear we're actually following his trip and um every day there'll be a video going up on our facebook page runners world uk and um you'll be able to watch the highs and lows i guess <laughs> is the only way i can probably describe it but it's exciting we'll be with him and hopefully watch it watch it all happen yeah no it's it's, it's great i mean he's he's a really interesting case david because he's you know, he's kind of got a bit of a double life as a sort of freelance journalist and also a top ultra runner. Didn't get into ultra running until, I think, till he was about 30 and has just really kind of like worked incredibly hard to become, I think, one of Britain's best best ultra runners, really. By, you know, he finished, I think, fifth or fourth at the UTMB. Uh, so he's like right up there with the, the the best guys on that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, he's, he's got a chance really of running John Close, if not, if not beating it. Good luck. Good, Good luck, luck Damien. If you're, I don't know what you do. I can't imagine running for like three days. I don't know if I'd want to be. Li- what would you listen to for all that time? Yeah. Do you reckon you might have to go to sort of pop music? Might feel too short and kind of throwaway. Maybe you need to go to like you know, the Ring Cycle or some kind of like great sort of yeah. classical suite. <laughs> I imagine you could listen to like all of the Lord of the Rings or something, <laughs> couldn't you? In that time, you'd maybe you'd have to. Yeah. We, I've listened to Harry Potter's marathon training, but I don't know if even that would Stephen Fry great on you after three days nonstop. Maybe I, I like the idea of Lord of the Rings. If that feels right, because a, there is a hell of a lot of running in Lord of the Rings, isn't there? It's basically just lots yeah. of people running towards or from things for um, in kind of epic. Uh, I guess it's New Zealand scenery, isn't it? But I think that's I think that's a good shout. I hope, well, maybe we'll find out, Damien, if you're listening. What will be what what will be on your headphones? <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening to this and he's like, shut up. Yeah, I think it's time, Jane, for us to bring on our uh, our guest of the week. Yes, exciting. Guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is one of the most exciting ultra runners on the planet. Jim Walmsley is a 50-mile world record holder and two-time winner of the Western States 100, perhaps the world's most prestigious ultramarathon. But it's not just what Walmsley has won, but the way in which he wins that makes him such an exciting runner. He flies off from the start at a seemingly unsustainable pace, tempting others to follow him, either to glory or oblivion. With the Western States cancelled this year, I caught up with Walmsley to learn a little bit more about how he trains, why he likes to run from the front, and any advice he has for someone looking to run their first ultramarathon. So Jim, you made your name principally as an ultra runner, but presumably you didn't start out by running 100 milers. So could you briefly explain how you first got into... To distance running yeah so um i grew up running track in high school and college uh ran at the air force academy uh division one nca so um actually raced a lot of uk runners that went to university of new mexico um but ran division one there um kind of did all right had prs of around like i think 1352 for 5k and 2908 I think in like the 110k I ran um and then I even tried the steeple a handful of times but um I went to a military academy so basically my job after college was to go into the air force and so I kind of thought my running was a bit done um but then I got stationed up in Montana and I kind of say that's where uh 
it's like this really great access to outdoor activities and hiking and lakes and all sorts of, of fun things to do. Um, and that was kind of a new experience for me. And I kind of started meshing the two together of like, well, this says it's a three day hike, but it's only 20 something <laughs> miles. So I'm like, ah, I think I could just, maybe I could just run that. Cause like, I've, I've just done that. And, yeah. um, so I kind of dip in my, t- started dipping my toes into that to basically make better use of my time while hiking. Um, I just started doing some trail running, um, and then looking at some local races, of just kind of, I think a lot of college kids struggle with this of you're really fit more than like better runner than average, uh, good shape sort of thing. And you're like looking for things to do and trying to struggle with the balance of um, doing running, I guess, as a hobby or casually and, uh, and still balancing like the next chapter of your life. Um, But what ended up happening is kind of, I guess uh, I ended up separating from the Air Force and had a chance to just put all my eggs into a basket. And I guess uh, I didn't really have the best experience in the military for myself. So um, what was making me happy was getting to go out on those runs and trying to do some of these trail races that I was just learning was a sport. Um, And like, I guess my other options would be go back to school or start putting together a better job resume and stuff but something that got me pretty excited was to go explore this ultra trail world that I was just kind of learning about and kind of had a background in running so it was becoming or it came pretty naturally um and yeah so I think that was about 2015 when I transitioned from the Air Force into figuring out what I was going to do in life and kind of narrowed down that I knew I'm originally from Arizona um, in the U.S. I'm from Phoenix, which is just a hot, dry place. But just north of us, we have like a really great running mecca that's at altitude, about uh, over 2,000 meters. Um, lots of world-class uh, runners come through there to train and stuff. So I knew there was a good spot and a pretty easy transition if I were to move back to where I'm from to bump up the Flagstaff and uh, ended up getting a job at this bike shop up there called absolute bikes and um just started kind of going for it from there but learned all sorts of stuff along the way yeah so it's quite a journey that i mean one part of that that i'm interested in is that um the speed that you were taking into ultra running you you talked about your 5k pb there 13 52 10 k pb 2908 so really good times i think maybe there was a time in ultra running i'm thinking of people like Anton Kropitschke here, people I, I idolized, you know, 10 years ago who maybe didn't come in with that kind of speed. They were, they were kind of mountain guys and they loved being out and doing long miles and stuff. But you're coming in there with that, that leg speed. Do you feel like that's been a, a, a real kind of differentiator for you when you, when you step up to like a 50 mile or a hundred mile that you know that you've got all this kind of, you know, all this speed in the bank? Do you think it's I helpful? Yes and no, because I would say the speed doesn't come super naturally for me um Hmm. i i kind of always like jokingly said that the track was a bit of a dead-end sport for me because i was never going to win in a championship style race yeah um aerobically wise like i could time trial extremely well but when it came to the last lap um never quite had like that 50 
low 50 something second lap okay. 400 yeah. meters so it was always a bit frustrating um but yeah the times we're, we're okay uh i i would say i i wish i ran faster but um at some point kind of it is what it is and you move on yeah, to the right. next one but i would say right now it's kind of exciting too because you get several top ultra guys where a bit of track background is becoming part of the equation and i think it definitely plays the strengths um where it's a tool but when you're going such a long distance i think sometimes you can also over you like you just run yourself into the ground because you think it's too easy of a pace and then all of a sudden before you know it you're yeah, right. stopping and you, you went too fast for sure yeah I mean, I guess one of the ways that you've you've gained loads of fans, Jim, is not only that you've you've been winning races, but it's it's the way that you win. And you, you have this very kind of bold kind of, you know, I guess in some ways a high risk strategy of going out from the front and and going going after course records. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the way that I guess someone like Prefontaine ran races. Although I know you're doing different distances, do you do you, do you kind of look up to people to someone like that? And do you think that actually you're you're interested in winning in a certain way? Um, I, I mean, I would say, yeah, there's a lot of runners, um, I've looked up to, uh, growing up, I think most American kids at some point or another look up to Prefontaine, um, kind of one of the first runners you find out about as a high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but as you kind of peel the layers back a bit, there, there are so many really great runners to look forward or like look up to and look at some of that. Um. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's an interesting strategy. I think it almost works best in what might be like a younger sport, like uh, back in the 60s, 70s, when, yeah, I, I mean, today's track has gotten so much more tactical. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just crazy fast. So uh, I, I don't really see it happening too much. I, the marathon's a little interesting because I think um, – people start dictating the rhythm and the, the pace of the race at the front rather than tucking in behind as much, um, which I think is a lot more fun. Uh, I think it is it is pretty fun to run at the front, but then you also kind of got to be able to raise the red flag of when someone else goes and runs really quick off the start and you're just like, yeah, yeah. there's no way they're sticking that. Or, I mean, and it's what everybody, I guess, kind of has to sometimes do with my pace. They either got to go with mm. it or call BS and let me go. And, yeah. um, yes, sometimes I would say I've gotten pretty good at kind of sticking the, the right pace, um, which has been pretty fun. Do you find it invigorating, though, to sort of t- to go off at that kind of pace? I mean, obviously, yeah, you can you can sustain it but it, you, you get a kind of thrill of kind of the kind of, of front running definitely i i think i feed off of front running a bit there, yeah. there's a bit of confidence you you gain from it um at the same time whether i've been leading utmb or even like the world 100k championships back in 2015 that i ran and just uh popped really bad um Jonas Bud actually won that race but um, I think Steve Way was a big favorite that year. Yeah, um, right, yeah. But that was an example of um, kind of just you're in the middle of the race and you, you give it a little bit of retrospect thought in the moment and you're just like, 
how am I in front of this race? And um, yeah, I think in that situation in the hundred K it's like, well, maybe that was a mistake. And then, but then you start to get more experience and start to learn it a little better. And um, yeah, it, it started to pay off a bit more. Yeah. I'm just thinking about anyone who's who's listening to this who might be thinking about doing a, a 50 miler or a 100 miler. Um, what would you say are some of the lessons that, that you've learned that, that people could kind of easily put into practice if they were if they were thinking about stepping up to a distance like that? Yeah, um, I would say d- don't be afraid to. I'd encourage people to step up in distance. Mm. I think it's a really fun, great challenge. Um, we kind of got my foot in the door with looking at some really mountainous, like five, six hour winning times for 50K sort of races. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what inspired me. And then um, as I got into the sport, you kind of realize like uh, a lot of the biggest races are, are even longer than that. Um, specific things that help, I, I would say making a race plan, um, figuring out and trying to guess how long it's going to take you um, to either get from like your crew spot to crew spot or aid station to aid station. And, um, a lot of times I always carry my own nutrition. I think that was kind of a, one of those lessons of you go to fill up whatever they have in their big jug and you hit one and it's like the perfect taste. You hit the next one, (laughs) almost water, and then you hit the next one and it's just pure sugar and you're just, there's no consistency with it. So just that plays to learning um like how your caloric intake and uh what you need to kind of sustain your pace and stuff um and then when you analyze your what you think your pace is going to be all of a sudden you can figure out how long it's going to take you to get from one aid station to the next and then now now let's say that's three hours and you're like well what do i need to carry on me for a three-hour run um, it's not carrying stuff for uh, a 20 hour run anymore. It's carrying stuff for three, five hours as opposed to, so you make it more manageable and you kind of stay in the moment. I think also coming from a bit of that track background, I think something I've started to really gravitate towards and try to learn a lot more about is some of these stories where people don't have that natural running background and, Mm. um they come in and they're just tough as nails and they get it done and they grind really really well i think those style of ultra runners are kind of really inspiring to me because it's a lot of what Mm. i don't feel i always am but what i need to get better at to grow as an ultra runner so um yeah I, i would say the last thing would be pick a race that you get pretty fired up to train for yeah um and making it a good goal uh so that i think that's gonna take you a long way as far as in training and during the race to be very excited to to do the race you're doing yeah i mean talking about races to get excited about i mean i guess you've made your name very much at the, at the western states 100 which is a race that will be familiar to to lots of listeners but it's it's you know it's one of the great 100 mile races almost the kind of original 100 mile race what was it about the race first of all, that, that got you excited about it? And, and why do you think that it seemingly plays to your strengths as a runner? Yeah. Um, well, I think it first kind of drew my attention just because it was considered, uh, at least 
coming from an American perspective as the, mm. the ultra runner, like the ultra yeah, right. run. So if you wanted to be, if you want to make it in the sport, you wanted to be there and you wanted to try to win that race. So um, I, I think that's what kind of got me first setting my sights on Western States was yeah. that was just one of the first big ones I had ever heard about. I mean, um, yeah, I guess kind of funny of in that lapse between college and um, picking up some trail running stuff. I had actually been to France during like the UTMB week and picked up a pamphlet oh, okay. in yeah. French, didn't know what it said, kind of chucked it away. <laughs> and like, that was about that. I didn't really, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care to do that, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then as I've gotten into it, you start learning more about races across the country and then across yeah. the world and and even traveling globally is still difficult of well especially currently but in general like it's expensive to travel and race um globally so you kind of got to pick and choose some of the the races that either yeah right. exciting places or have really big names for themselves whether it's utmb or like one i wanted to target this year was comrades marathon so um and then what was the other part of the question well i, I guess my, my question is um which i i, I feel like the western states 100 for you it's it's a race that is made because it's a it's a running race i guess yeah. more than a utmb there's lots of hiking no matter how fit you are i mean i guess it feels like a race that's kind of plays to your strengths i would say yeah um it's definitely a running race uh which i think is really fun and makes it kind of exciting. It's it's a high paced race compared to UTMB. Um, mm. I think I do well with that. I think another part of it is the heat in the race. Um, mm. There is 2017, I guess, like the heat got me. But um, I would also say that's just that, and like it's. I would still say it's one of my best strengths, um, and kind of own the yeah. fact that I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and it's like one of the hottest places in the yeah, U.S. Right. So I try to like kind of embrace that aspect of it. Um, and then a little, it's it's a lot of downhill running. I, I consider myself a pretty good downhill runner. Um, and yeah, it's been fun. I, I mean, another thing about it is just transitioning one state over is an easy transition compared to, yeah, right. yeah. especially a lot of international athletes that have to come in and try to compete. Um, it's always yeah. harder to fly over an ocean and and show up and be ready on your on game day sort of thing. So um, it just adds more complications for international athletes. I think you mentioned like the comrades there and the UTMB. I wonder if there's any um, anything in you that'd be keen to come to the UK and try any. I mean, I guess Killian Jornet came over and did the Bob Graham rounds. Uh, is is there are there any UK challenges that would that would appeal to you? Do you think? Yeah, I I mean the Browns seem like they have so much history to them. They're definitely yeah, yeah. drawing. Um, I I yeah, I guess it's one thing where because it it's also another fun, easier country to travel to, which yeah, makes right. it more enjoyable sometimes. Um, because you can just I could come to the U.S. or the U.K. and just be more comfortable that you guys kind of speak English. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and and I can at least communicate and figure out what's at the grocery store. Um, yeah, yeah. That goes a long way. I, I guess there there hasn't been a specific race or FKT route that has really stood out to me. Um, I know in my Hoka Carbon X like time trial race, uh, the one of the cool races that stood out in researching stuff about that was the London to Brighton race that Bruce Ford yeah, had, cool. had set the um, like unofficial fastest fifty mile. Um, yeah, and that race doesn't happen anymore. I heard there is actually a new like kind of a trail version of that. There is though. a tra- yeah, there is a trail version. Yeah, that's been sort of on and off for about ten years. I think meant to be a really nice off road route, but yeah, it, yeah, not it wouldn't it'd be it'd be comparatively slow to what um the route that uh that bruce went down but um yeah yeah it's very famous for a cycle ride actually that there's a kind of london to brighton cycle ride that happens but um, yeah that's the... right uh, it would come up on on like my google search yeah <laughs> um what about what about food jim are you uh, like um i guess ultra running can it can feel like a place of of kind of very adventurous diets or extreme kind of ideas about kind of um, low carb, high fat, and all that stuff. What, 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 what's your philosophy when it comes to, to I, eating food? I guess nowadays I would be considered a traditionalist. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very much a, a sugar oriented food planner for races. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say, like, most of my races are 16 hours and less. Like, mm. like three or two hours to 16 hours is going to be kind of the meat and potatoes of the the races I've done. So sugar works really well for that. Mm. I think um, with my experience with some longer ultras that are going to be like 20, 24 hour range, I can see how other foods are definitely very attractive and they, they help kind of settle your stomach and you got to deal with more hunger um, issues and mm. stuff and just kind of that satiating feeling you also have to address um but i yeah i would say my philosophy is based off of sugar um like gel, like gel sugar or like or real food sugar or a bit of both uh like gel sugar uh so it would be um in my bottles um and carrying gels um and yeah i would say currently like i'm using morton product oh yeah so, yeah yeah um i used to use a hot like a goo roctane brew a lot and that one was higher calories in my bottle and i would take a lot less like um i would still supplement that with the morton gels but yeah. now i'm transitioning more to using the morton 160 which is a really light flavor in the bottle mm-hmm. and just taking two gels an hour so you're flirting with 300 to 360 calories an hour um which is going to be a high amount of calories um to do i would say when i kind of train out in the mountains more nowadays yeah if i'm hitting at least 200 um generally it's going to be a pretty sustainable day um okay i don't necessarily need to reach for that 300 plus consistent hour after hour calories as much uh when you're you're slowing down the pace a bit. Yeah, that sounds like a much more sensible tactic than the, the one hundred mile I had to go at. I, I thought I could power myself on on dates 
and it, it didn't end it didn't end very well <laughs> in, in theory dates are like they're exactly what you need great um, yeah i find the flavors really strong and they get a little dry <laughs> yeah and I, I had it caused some stomach issues actually for me um which i was surprised and they also they they weigh a bit as well so i think that's the advantage of a gel isn't it is that it's kind of it's sort of lightweight and you're not kind of loaded loaded down by what you're eating <laughs> yeah i i really like the morton gels because they're they're a lighter consistency it's not as syrupy and doesn't yeah. stick in your mouth as much you mentioned um about runners who maybe don't have the great physical attributes but they're, they're really mentally tough and it reminded me of i think it was scott jurek who said that ultra running is 90 percent mental and the rest of it's just in your head and i think he was partly being a bit sort of facetious with it but do you think that do you think that the ratio is as high as that or do you think actually that essentially like the physically fittest athlete tends to triumph on the day when it comes to like 50 or 100 mile races um it, so the course depends a lot um i would say the the more it is just a road race a ro- or even road ultras some of that's going to play into uh coming to play but then once you start getting into like what Giannis Chorus did in 24 hours and 48 hours and Spartathlon sort of thing yeah. and like and you you kind of watch some videos of him running and you're like it's got to be pretty mental power with that <laughs> um, yeah because he just did extraordinary feats and then I don't know it, it, he's not the bounding Elliot Kipchoge sort no. of sort of stride like that um you hear about his training his training was mad jim right like his training he said he he never ran more than like a half marathon in training and he took a couple of months off every year apparently uh i I would also i mean i love the fact that he would do all of his training on a track too essentially yeah right yeah he'd just do loops and loops and just like and and i think you get that a bit and kind of going back to that 100k 50 mile run from the other year uh looking into some of the Japanese runners. Uh, I think yeah. Mayo has the world record right now and some of the guys that have ran really competitive 100Ks. Um, and then you kind of look at the Japanese culture for marathon. I think they have a very disciplined, very monotonous, comparatively at least, uh, way of training. And they, they just get out the door and they're just on it. Like 6 a.m., they knock out 10-mile run and then yeah noon they knock out a workout and then 6 p.m they go for another like walk and it's just like they're just living breathing eating like everything about it and um yeah i i do like that they the japanese a lot of them are really high volume runners too um but i'm also mystified of like they're doing it at sea level in japan and i'm just like i i think yeah, the uh, advantage of training at altitude is really great in the marathon. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I've gotten really interested in it. And, um, yeah, I, I think the, the bigger the ultra, as far as time-wise, probably the more mental you need to be. And whether that's being a little more crazy or a little more tougher, um, you need a bit of both. And uh, yeah, if you did like the 50 mile road race is a pretty um, pure runner aspect, but I would say there's definitely moments in there of like after 40 miles, I, I kind of picked it up to a pace where uh, 
in retrospect, I think I made some mistakes um, because I, I picked it up in the middle a bit and I think I paid it back mm. a lot, especially with the increasing heat through the day. But um, th- yeah, there was a good hour, hour and a half where you just kind of got to buckle up mentally and hang in there. And, I mean, I was going from just floating like five thirty minute miles to barely ha- being able to hang on to a six minute mile at the end. Um, and yeah, it gets pretty grindy. So yeah, I bet. I bet when you're pushing the limits, I think uh, the mental aspect's always going to come into play. This is the Runner's World podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm just interested. We, we mentioned Yanis uh, Kouros there. And, yeah, I guess for a lot of people, you know, he was possibly the, the ultimate ultra runner. And what he did at Spartathlon particularly... It's almost sort of hard to believe it. Like he was, he was. I think actually the, the year that he set his, or he won the first time, he was so quick that people yeah. didn't actually believe he'd run it. Is, does that? Them. Does that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Does that race? Does that race hold an appeal for you? Because I know for a lot of people, they feel like it's kind of almost a sort of origin of of distance running as Spartathlon. Yeah, um, it hasn't quite struck a chord with me yet. Uh, yeah. Right now, I I feel like I have such a big. Um, well, Western States for me was was a lot of time and energy and several yeah. years for me to try to get to the point where I finally won the race. Um, nowadays, I guess the biggest two ultras I, I would really like to focus on are uh, Comrades and UTMB, um, which is probably why I've brought them up multiple times. But it's kind of like you got to check off certain boxes and then you figure out what's next. I would say I'm not as intrigued in the road ultras as I am the trail ultras. I, I don't think trail ultras have as much of a rich history as road ultras actually. So, um, but they're like popular and I think they're more trendy right now, but at the same time, I would say like 
it's a lot of fun to go do a race on a trail um, and yeah. go places and whether it's point to point or loops, um, I think are just always really great course profiles. Um, yeah. I, I find it really stimulating to train for the trails and a lot more freeing mentally to kind of mm. like you ask how to pace for us like through the mountains and it's like it's all got to be off of feel for the most part. Um, whereas on the road and whether it's Spartathlon or 24 hours or 100 mile or 100k sort of thing on the road, it's like you you kind of got to try to run it as scientifically as possible to an extent of you're trying to hold a pace and flick splits and um it's just a little less appealing to me yeah fair enough just a couple more questions jim if that's right if you've got time yeah great um i thought it was great that you you went down to the the marathon distance and, and did a really good debut there i guess what i'm also interested in, in that kind of the reverse of that of like i guess a lot of east african runners who often dominate the marathon distance they're, they're largely absent really from the ultra running scene would, would you like to see a couple of the kind of top guys from from kenya and ethiopia you know have a go at, in, in your in your home turf i guess i like have yeah. a go at the western states or something i guess i, I jokingly kind of say like i would love to see him start ultra running in about five years um i've just like <laughs> around three yeah i mean i think you talk about the raw talent of the abilities that they're able to run. And so I would yeah. say the top guys are going to be busy with the track and the marathon. And that's going to be kind of, I think, the, the way it is because of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and with the, them being Olympic events, that's where the majority of the money is usually going to stay. Mm. Um, but then you talk about the depths that East Africa has and and then you get into Uganda with, I mean, Joshua Chip, yeah. but as one of the current top runners in the world, but you think about Uganda and what they train on over there, that's different than Ethiopia and Kenya is like, they get so many more mountains and hills and more trailish stuff in Uganda. And it, it kind of seems like, and, and then they also dominate like, um, the world mountain running championships when they do show up. So, um, yeah, it, yeah it's really interesting. I, I think, plenty of them would transition over and just reset a lot of things. Um, it would be fascinating. I guess I kind of look at it as if, if in retrospect, 30 years, fast forward, um, if my times kind of hold up, like how at least in the U S marathoning times from the seventies have kind of held up over time, I'd say that's kind of cool. Um, but it, I would say it's also a financial thing of like when you talk about the how much it costs to to travel to Chamonix to to get a Airbnb and to do the race and then you walk away with empty pockets or like so I guess mm. UTMB started offering what like two thousand euros for the win. But yeah, then, something like that. Yeah. But then Western states, we'll, we'll go with that one because uh, it offers zero. Um, yeah, right. It used yeah. to be UTMB. So, like, they're walking away with nothing to support themselves back home. And it's just until that changes, you're, you're not really going to, I think, see, yeah. see a transition that way. I think it would be cool for, I mean, if a brand wanted to have a real impact, um, you just kind of open the floodgates, but just sponsor a few like 
quote unquote sub elite ultra or yeah. marathoners that are 207 guys and it's like you'd think that would like really give them a foot forward in ultra running but then it also goes back to i think the motivation to do the race and to to learn about ultra running and to yeah to be inspired to go run around a mountain and to go like be inspired to, that this isn't just stupid but to keep doing it and keep pushing yeah. i think that part's really motivating so almost having the right catalyst that can help inspire those sort of um talented athletes to to want to do it i think is really important um because yeah you, at some point in an ultra you're gonna look at yourself in the mirror and just like what am i doing here and you, yeah. you don't yeah. want to just fold the cards and go home um so yeah. you kind of go like well this is my shot at doing this race finally like i gotta keep pushing and um yeah so there's a little bit of learning i think there needs to be a financial incentive with it because um Definitely. that's a, a lot of reasons why those guys are in the sport to begin with um in addition to um a lot of them just have pure natural ability to run really fast really far so yeah um yeah i mean it's a matter of time before that does happen and uh it's going to be extremely exciting to see how more talented runners than myself can can help move the sport forward let's talk let's talk about your um your running this year jim so obviously you know lots and lots of massive races have been cancelled and, and including western states um so what what are your plans uh let's say all things let, let's let's be optimistic and, and let's say that n- next year lots of races are, are going to be on what, what would be on your on your wish list if you're thinking that far ahead yeah so it kind of just pushes what i had planned for this year to next year um right and i would say i, I i'm kind of giving comrades like at first, I was going to say I, I would love to do it once and be lucky yeah. enough to win it. And because, um, yeah, you talk about traveling again. South Africa is like two European flights. Um, yeah. Most of the routes that we take from the States. So uh, it's a tough tra- like race to travel to. Um, but I, I guess I'll be aiming towards Comrades in June and UTMB in the end of August, which is a really interesting and kind of awkward transition um i i've transitioned from that marathon earlier in the year to trying to find my mountain legs again and uh Mm. it's interesting and the whole process of covid19 this year and races canceling it's like sometimes i'm not sure whether i'm overtraining or just unmotivated as much as like having that race that excites you on the calendar to to get out the door and really push for um, so th- those are my two big races that were supposed to happen this year. And, um, I'll be looking to do those races next year. And I think if, if races get canceled similarly next year, um, more things will go to FKT options. And, yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah, so who knows if there's a round in there. Um, I hear there's a lot of hey, like, L- L- London to Brighton, Jim, you could come over and do London to Brighton. Well, I've already done a 50 mile though. Like, I, I don't know. And, <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have a think. I'll have a think. Yeah. And, and even whether, I mean, I think it's Glencoe's up in Scotland though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
well, maybe you can link together a couple little things like that. But yeah, um, even the fell season over there is always interesting. Fell racing seems crazy, and it's a it's not trail running. It's not. It's obviously not road running, but it, yeah. And I just hear that people in fell running can just run so fast downhill. And yeah, I, I, I mean that's that's yeah. I'd be really interested to see like how fast because that was my first one of my first experiences of being a trail runner and going to Europe was just like all the Americans just say like oh the Europeans they just run so fast downhill it's <laughs> insane and stereotypically yeah the Europeans just they win races and they run away from Americans on the downhills hmm. so I remember like a couple of times I've just been like oh man they're gonna come on the downhill I better just push and and I've been surprised with like, oh, I'm a pretty good downhill runner. Um, so I, I would be interested to see how fast fell runners run downhill because I've heard it's just just maniac how fast they go. Yeah, I think that there's a sort of term of like brain off, breaks off. It's a sort yeah. of the fell running philosophy. But um, yeah, well, you'd be very welcome, Jim. I'm sure in, in the fell running scene, they're, uh, they, I'm sure they'd love to have you, have you, and you could test yourself against some of their uh, their greats as well. Jim, thanks so much for uh, for making the time to speak with me for the Runners World podcast. It was it was absolutely great to talk a bit more about your running, and I, I hope both those big races for you next year um, happen, and, and and that you can do really well in both of them. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, always trying to keep something on the the goal list, and you kind of got to stay dynamic these days, but. Uh... Yeah, it's always an exciting time. So thanks again for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.